0: Mine sounds like this.
1: Weep weep weep. I thought the
0: helicopter was coming back. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It sounds house. like yours cries. <laughs> it, it's weeping. Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Katie. And I'm your host again this week, Rory. Creepy Rory. And <laughs> get uh, <it> right. <laughs>
1: fucking had to get it in there.
0: <laughs> He's creepy Rory. Any of Rory's episodes are creepy from here on out. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember what we're doing this week. This week we're doing Alistair Crowley Part 2. Gabna. Where did we leave him last week, Katie? He was,
1: uh... He had just met Victor. Newberg.
0: Oh, yeah. He just uh, went back to his alma mater. He was chilling the Berg. Was like, yeah, looking for a little another little follower. And uh, he found it in a fairly weak-willed individual by the name of Victor Newberg. I think that Alistair Crowley is a little bit like Joe Exotic. Kind of. I mean, they're all all those, like, strong male power dynamics are kind of the same. Like, instead of big cats, if he had big demons. Yeah, but if you uh... <laughs> was that it? <laughs> no, that wasn't the right okay. joke. <laughs> Katie's just on the lookout for the bad She's like, joke. every joke you tell is was bad. That it? Was that it? But I think where we left him off, they had just met in England or London. At his old school, he was kind of like grooming him a little bit to be his next little puppet boy and take part in his ritual. He said he was really weak-willed. He kind of had a bit of a hunchback and so Crowly. Sounds like he needed a good grooming, good makeover. Yes, that's what it is. Crowley invited the boy to Paris. Newberg was kind of tricked into losing his virginity once he got there to a prostitute. Here's how the story goes. Crowley finds this uh, woman that he kind of, you know, has sex with, but he finds out that Newberg is kind of obsessed with her. And is kind of in love with her because he's kind of a young kid, doesn't really know any better. He wants to save himself for her. He confesses his love to her through Crowley's, like, pushing. Crowley also convinces him to have sex with a prostitute because she probably doesn't want an inexperienced man. And then kind of debases him for his, I guess, infidelity. And he has it confessed to the woman that he's actually in love with, who Crowley has already slept with. But Crowley arranges it for it to be at the same time that he was, have, he was done having sex with her. So It's like a real arrested development situation. Yeah, so Newberg walks into the room and sees the woman that he's basically in love with, with just like the afterglow of sex upon her. And it was at that moment, Crowley believes that he'd become the sexual master of Newberg and could control him. basically be his teacher his yogi or whatever
1: so if you have sex with your best friend's almost girlfriend you're your best friend's sexual master
0: yes i guess that's how that works i'm not sure how like it works in magician or wizard community I think because it's just... Because there's, there's some sort of power dynamic there that I don't understand.
1: I think it's just Crowley's mind. I don't think it's don't in think any <laughs> other situation. Okay,
0: yeah, I don't see how any in any situation it would work unless you're, like, living in a pack or something. I think it was just all about swinging dicks. And Alistair Crowley had to swing his. He came in he said, I'm Alistair Crowley, and I'm hit up fuck somebody's wife magic style and he he basically did i mean it kind of broke newberg a little bit of all these principles of what love is and how he should feel and who he should trust and things like that but
1: but the woman wasn't in love with newberg he was just in love with
0: her he was just in love with her and she didn't but she okay so here's the fucked up part she was wasn't in love with him but under crowley's insistence she let him on And faked being upset with him over him cheating even though she didn't care because she was already having sex with... Allister. It's exactly like when, or when Michael Bluth convinced the teacher, convinced George Michael, that, you know, the teacher would date him, and he should go after the teacher. But then he went after the teacher instead, and then they both thought they were banging the teacher. And they probably were both banging the teacher. It's yeah, I don't remember that episode, but it sounds <laughs> fairly similar. Even though
1: Michael wasn't like George Michael, I'm your sexual master. Yeah, he, he kind of like, fuck- was
0: actually. He was like he was his father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just, like, the hair on the back of his neck stood up, and he flexed and filled up his chest with air, and he huff and puffed and asserted his dominance. Okay, well, in order to uh, have Newberg accelerate through his teachings, uh, Crowley and Newberg went on a physically rough expedition from Spain to Monaco. So, physically rough, does that refer to the terrain, or is another term for... Crowley being Newberg's sexual master. Um, It's actually kind of a little bit of both. Uh, If you read some of Crowley's, like, diaries of this time, he kind of commands Newberg to have sex with him in his female form. Uh, I can't remember if it's Allie or whatever he uses as his female name. And he kind of digs being able to be a little sadistic and force someone to kind of punish him. It's really Creepy and he he's definitely a dominant bottom, I guess is what you would say. I I don't know, but he
1: (laughs) But he's the one Newberg's the one
0: Yes, penetrating him, yes. During the
1: torturing? So he No, no,
0: no. Uh well, Crowley really likes to like twist nipples and do all sorts of other like crude and mean shit. Um, like hard twisting and slappings and things like that so he likes to do that to newberg and then force him not force him but entice him into sex with him so he likes his his sadomasochism like, he kind of likes to be hurt. I don't know. It gets really detailed and kind of uh, kind of gross. Yeah. How it's gross is the way that Crowley is using him. Manipulating and, yeah, him. Yeah, manipulating him into being something that he is not. Crowley took advantage of Newberg, using him for rituals. By Newberg's own admittance in a later poetry, sweet wizard whose footsteps I have trod unto the shrine of the most obscene god. There, there's more. Yeah, it rhymes. I mean, it's poetry written by Newberg. Basically, uh, Alistair considered himself like a real well-educated man gentleman poet and i mean for a little bit he actually was i mean he's a fourth rate poetry major or whatever but fourth rate that sounds like not very good yeah it's probably not very good but i mean i don't really pretend to understand what is good poetry and whatnot so he wrote tons of it and he wrote some body stuff some super hetero non-normative stuff about deers and things like that but it's this is the poetry of newberg who wasn't really you know, he was kind of the same going to school for the same like philosophy stuff, but considered himself a poet as well because that's just who Crowley likes to surround himself with. Is the most obscene god referring to Crow- Crowley? Uh, no, it, it's it's probably referring to oh, Sweet Wizard is Crowley. Huh? Yeah, the Sweet Wizard is Crowley, and uh, the <laughs> obscene god. It, god is the butt sex. Butt sex. Yeah. All right. So the next part of this, we're actually calling. Meeting a chaos god who loves butt sex. I'm glad I I didn't even realize that, but it just (sighs) flows together so well. Yeah. So the breaking of uh, Newberg continued While while Crowley maintains that Newberg was a masochist and himself a sadist. One of the final ordeals Newberg was to take was to have sex with his guru crowley now he was one of the first power bottoms commanding newberg to initiate sexual intercourse with him when he was in the state of his woman i can't remember if her. i really think her name is ally or something like that i mean it just but makes sense he took it upon himself to use newberg for his own gratifications and made the boy do demeaning sexual acts on himself and towards alistair so the final test of the whole sex cult training was just to fuck the teacher it's a big part of it, apparently. What happens if, like, it, what, per, what percentage of your grade is it? That's what I want to know. You know, if you're in a sex cult, I'm going to go ahead and say probably 100% of your grade. So if you fail that, but can you fail? If you just do it, you pass. Is it pass or fail? Like, you did it, so you pass. No, you have to be, like, You have of, to enjoy it? Yeah, you have to be willing, a willing. Well, no, because later on we'll learn you don't have to enjoy it at all. Uh, I don't know if we can talk about that. We can. In 1909, after Crowley and Rose's divorce, Newberg and Crowley headed to Algeria. Now, they were there to complete the ritual of a meeting of 20 aethers, which are, you know, wind spirits. But Crowley had started this in New Mex- in Mexico many years ago. I did not know that's what a wind spirit was. I believe Thank that's you. either... It's either those or Slyphs. I can't remember. There's a bunch of different names. So, I Slytherins. get really... I get really confused because magic is insanely complicated for no reason. Like... It takes almost a full education and philosophy to kind of dissect some of these things, but damn, it's it's just so un unne- it's needlessly overcomplicated to make people feel like they are in the know on something. Same thing with like the Freemasons and stuff like that. Is if you overcomplicate your ritual and thing like that, things like that, it makes it more exclusive cuz they're harder to do, I guess, but that's, That's why they have Magic the Gathering. makes it easier for everybody. a little easier to do, yeah. Many treks in the desert and tons of freaky, dirty desert sex led Crowley to contacting the spirits, the Aethers. In one contact, he was told that only through the humiliation of himself would he be set free. In another, he placed Newberg into the Circle of Protection, and he himself took in the Tenth Aether and merged himself on the astral plane with the demon Kronazon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying <laughs> what I think you're saying? He took a demon in the ass. But, well, not not specifically like that, but he took a demon inside of himself. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. He was uh, outside of the circle of protection. So, Newberg was protected. And when Newberg noticed the distress of Crowley, or Crowley under the <laughs> influence, he breaks the circle of protection and is in turn attacked by the demon. It only leaves with the stab of a sacred dagger and the invocation of a certain god's name. The demon. Even took crowley's penis i know he actually okay so in the description for this uh in newberg's writings he said that crowley jumped upon him and attacked him with like an insane amount of strength and had like razor sharp teeth but when he pulled the knife and essentially stabbed the ghost out of him he noticed that his bite marks were gone as well and that he was healed super quickly due to his uh magic oh he had like a plus 400 healing card something like, something that. like that yeah now, but the final nine aethers were peaceful, and the calling went off without a hitch. On the last day of 1909, Newberg heads home, and Crowley writes a letter to another follower saying that it is the holiest day of his life. When he left, that was the end of him doing his whole trek into the desert, him meeting his aethers and his guardian, getting word from the messenger of Horace. The magical internship. Yeah, that it ended. Was, the, yeah, he was now a full-fledged uh, member. Ah, okay.
1: This uh, kind of just sounds like they sat in the desert and like agreed what to bullshit about for I mean, like ten days.
0: They they came back to the city like basically every night. I'm not getting any oh, visions. Oh, really? They Pass didn't even go camping? camping. I mean, they would sometimes they would camp out there for extended periods of time, but it wasn't it wasn't like completely. They were in the desert for nine months. They always went back to town.
1: So they were doing all of this weird, freaky stuff during the day. In the Uh, sun, in the the desert. Yeah,
0: during the day, uh, into the night, you know, into the morning. Sometimes they get up super early and go start it and do yeah. Drinking Coors Light, just enjoying their time. No, but they would take like snacks and lunches and stuff. Coors Light was around.
1: You have to set your alarm for like 5 a.m. so you can go have butt sex in the (laughs) desert.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Katie said butt sex. That was funny. Was it? Yeah. Okay, so now 1910 was a year of hedonistic revelry for Crowley, who, besides Newberg, kept many sexual partners and performed ritualistic sex magic almost every day of the week. Now, uh, Crowley's hedonistic lifestyle continued through much of the next four years until when a few big transitions happened. Crowley had taken on another follower who danced at one in one of the plays he had put on. She and Newberg fell in love and it began an affair. From there, Crowley's jealousy took hold... And Joan Hayes, Newberg's lover, who had been married at the time, and when the du- adultery was discovered, uh, Hayes killed herself instead of having to turn Newberg in for also committing adultery, which was an arrestable crime at that point. So uh, Newberg was, he, he this was a new lady that he found. Was he trying to get revenge on Crowley for what he did before, or it just... No, he That's just he honestly crumbled. just developed a, a natural liking to this woman he and she to him like I don't know they were just attracted to each other Crowley really had nothing to do with it except for that he was like directing the play. Oh well, plus he's the master of Newberg's sexuality. So this is true. He so. doesn't approve. Newberg blamed Crowley for using some sort of psychic magic to get her to kill herself, and he left his side. Imagine Pro- thinking someone had that much power. Yeah. I like, mean, these people, are honestly, for a long time. Newberg actually comes back in life. It takes a lot of, like, deep therapy for him to be able to come back. But he comes back, has a wife and a kid, and basically recalls his time with Aleister Crowley as, you know, this man wasn't a real magician. He was just a huge piece of shit. <laughs> just like Joe uh, Joe Exotic's ex-husband. It's, just like that.
1: It's actually still an arrestable offense. Is adultery. it? Mm-hmm. Okay. In well, yeah. states. So, they just
0: don't do it. Now, Crowley was broke and broken up at the loss of his only real follower, Newberg, and he set himself for exile in America. Yeah, see, I don't know what his deal was with America, but he thought he would be able to garner a lot of support while he was over here, or over there. Even though he's fairly broke back in England, he still got by on being, like, this gentleman persona, like, this educated man that people wanted to be around. Like, he was considered an intellect and a philosopher and things like that. Even though he was a huge piece of shit. Is it possible he just read the book Pocahontas and he was like, "I'm going to the New World"? No, I mean he may have. I think that's what it but was. But I'm pretty sure he'd already been to America at this nah, point. Nah, the, the New World, bro. Earth is flat. <laughs> it's
1: 1910. D. That really technically wasn't that <laughs> long ago. Actually, like
0: 1914 at this point. Yeah, that means right in between now and when America was discovered. So 1492, and then 1776, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You, you understand, don't you? Upon his arrival in America in October of 1914, Crowley achieved a minor celebrity status for his London exploits. Hit sex parties. Uh, The great thinkers of America had gone over there and experienced his brand of occultism, which, you know, was kind of just orgies and fun times and things like that.
1: Would you call that celebrity status? Um, Or just you're really fucking weird, so I'm going to look at you funny? It was
0: like the AVP Awards before they existed. The what? Adult video performance or something like that that was the avn i don't know oh anyway so porn awards he he had been written up he has been known as an occultist leader as a writer as a poet actually people in america did kind of know about him but when he arrived there was actually an article in world magazine and it states that crowley had surrounded himself with mostly female aristocrats all of whom seemed to be satanists and Crowley, their high priest, and like this was this guy named Ken Pages, I think his name was. He uh, he wrote this article for the World News and said he sensational. Like later on, he becomes kind of I don't know blacklisted because he tends to sensationalize. But he said all these things about how Crowley used to have parties with all the richest people in Brit uh, in England, in Britain, and they would have sex parties and do all these rituals, and he was worshipped as basically a god himself. Um, and was under the satanic influence and things like that. But this was just a, a lie, Crowley claims, and he claims to have sent him this in a dream because he is that powerful of a magician. Now, that's a mindfuck. True definition. True a definition. Yeah. Of a mindfuck. Crowley devotes most of his time in America to his studies of sex magics and rituals. And he has written record of his practices called the Rex de Art Regio, which describes, in Latin, to sound fancy, uh, different sex acts that are supposed to help someone achieve oneness from sexual androgyny. Now, it took a minute for me to actually look up what the fuck he's talking about, but he's talking about sexual androgyny as, like, you can play the part of the man and you can do the opposite part as the woman in order to achieve both sets of the ritual so
1: so you can have sex with yourself like a well, salamander so
0: in in certain rituals what he's saying is you can take part in it as the female or in as the male so in some of these rituals it can be the exact same ritual just he plays swap a do with whatever swap-a-do. is either in front of him or behind him <laughs> so he takes on the male role or the female role you're so eloquent at this point, he doesn't really mention the things leading up to the sex and what types of sex that are happening. He just says, oh, here's some drawings of some sex acts you can do as ritual and things like that. Rex de Arte Regio sounds like a, like a furniture store for sex. It, it means like the art of the kings or something like that. Oh, yeah, fancy king sex furniture. In America, Crowley had no real way of atta- obtaining money or any of the clout that being a scholar and a gentleman brought you in jolly old England. Now, he could have con- counted to fall back on that had he been back in London, but here in America, he doesn't have the following that he had. He doesn't really have the support that he had. He's just considered kind of a, a writer, an English writer weirdo. He's but like an early 1900s N.W.A. Not really, because N.W.A. actually turned out to be like a positive thing, kind of. Most of his magic rituals during this time were made in order for him to get money or become a better speaker to essentially boke people out of money. When I say that, I mean that most of his like notes and notebooks and journal entries from this time basically talk about his rituals for how he's going to gain notoriety, gain money or obtain the oratory skills he really always wished that he obtained. So these are basically his goals. And uh, well, during this time, he's also writing, seems like he just wanted to be an influencer. I mean, yeah. If, if if Crowley were around now, I'm sure he'd be with a weird influencer guy that on un- Instagram. Yeah, that sells like buckets of his own bath water and stuff. I, I think he, he m-
1: would design a clothing line.
0: Now, during this time, he's writing the Ritual of Magic, which we have a copy of, Katie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Katie. Uh, Katie has some Crowley books. Is up that there. Conks on Packs? That's Conks on Packs, and that's actually written. But uh, kind of, isn't that like 1901? Isn't that one of his essays when he was a poet at uh, Canterbury, wherever it was? How much I did you remember. pay for that book? That's no one's business. <laughs> well, I just think it's funny. The original magic is like a semi-autobiographical account of, about how good his magic really is. Little essays and poems and like calls and things like that. But it's basically him bragging about how he's on the verge of being able to manage five out of six times the conjuring of twenty thousand dollars he can never get it to work on the sixth time but five times out of six he can conjure up twenty thousand dollars whether it's an offer to give in on something or some way for him to make twenty thousand dollars that's a hundred grand five out of six yeah so that's what i'm saying but at this time, there's actually no proof that he's doing it. It, it kind of comes back and says that, you know, so he, he never had $20,000 at this point at all. He doesn't period. literally like conjure up 20 grand. It doesn't appear out of nowhere, right? No, he like conjures up the opportunities for him to make 20 grand or someone dying to so he gets 20 grand, like bullshit like that. But really, Crowley's just spending his time jerking it. He either is masturbating for in his rituals or the pud. having sex with male or female prostitutes to like further his rituals. Punch in the pud. I mean, he does actually have like a periodical paid writing gig. It's uh, one of these is actually for a German-backed American propaganda m- magazine. So, what exactly is a German-backed prop G- German-backed American propaganda magazine? There are basically German people in america that are sympathetic to the kaiser at the time and they believe that germany is strong and that america needs to stay out of world war one which is kicking off right now because it's none of their business so a german-backed american magazine is something that the germans use to write propaganda for americans to see about the british and about why they are you know fighting for their lives and not necessarily you know these people would later the attack later, yeah, become Hitler's people, right? Yeah, I mean the the, <laughs> the guy that I think his name's like George Vendrick, and he's actually basically the propaganda propaganda minister in America for Germans during World War One and World War Two. World War Two especially is crazy because uh, Crowley he has this interaction here with him where he's writing propaganda for his magazine, but later on when Hitler comes to power. He gives him a copy of the Book of the Law and says, "Hey, you know, Hitler may really like this. I'm going to give this to you." <laughs> That's kind of a fun little, yeah, Nazi story there. Fun little factoid. He probably
1: cr- just threw it away behind his. He was like, okay, "Oh yeah, thanks. for sure." And he yeah. just tossed it.
0: For sure. When my grandpa was trying to uh, escape Germany, he was pretending to be a uh, soldier in the Nazi army, and Hitler walked up to him and he had his journal in his hand, and Hitler held it out, and they were having a book burning right behind him. And he held it out, and he thought Hitler was going to burn his journal, which had all kinds of archaeological secrets in it. <laughs> Shut <laughs> the fuck up. And instead he just signed it and handed it back to him. You know, I, I've, I've seen that before. I didn't know your grandpa was uh, a... Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Yep. Yeah, okay. So in these magazines, these propaganda, Crowley would write about the hypocrisy of the British Empire claiming justice as the motive in the fight with Germany. But in reality, it's because the English really wanted what Germany had. And so Crowley started making, like, all these different, like, just outlandish claims about uh, England and their hatred for Germany and their want for their land. But Crowley would claim that his propaganda was meant to be ludicrous to the point of providing the English with something to point out and say, this is what the Germans believe. See how wrong they are, you know? like So it was almost satire-ish? That's what he says. I mean, at this point, the... You know, Britain is kind of looking into it. They do watch these things and see, like, well, shit. Okay, in 1918, Crowley was actually interviewed for his treasonous writings, uh, but spun it in a way for him to see if he could talk to a British secret service agent to make sure that they knew that Americans were uh, knew that he was just being a propagandist and he's actually on uh, the British side. But
1: he's like, "I'm on your side."
0: Yeah, they, he said he could never actually get a hold of anyone to confirm his story
1: it seems to be his excuse a lot he can't get a hold of whoever he's trying to speak to
0: they, they had kept an eye on him but ultimately he doesn't get really charged for his treasonous activities at all like that's they just sort of drop it because it's so dumb it does sound like he was fairly treasonous though oh yeah for sure i mean if it had gone the other way and germany had won i'm sure he would have been there right by that german dude's side he me was playing, playing See, both i sides. was i was here with you the whole time i knew yeah. this the whole time because that's the type of guy he was he was, whichever way the wind was blowing, that's where Alistair was blowing. While in America, Crowley claims to have loved Jeanne Robert Fisher, a model from New York City who was already kind of into the incult and also married to a very rich older man. Was he trying to get that rich old man money? Not really, but she was kind of like loony. Um, she was really jealous that, like, of Crowley's past experiences and wanted him to be kind of all hers in a way, even though she was married to another old man. Well, but did the old man really do anything? You know, he can't get an erection. He can't really stay up past eight. That's all just kind of speculation at this point, because he's only like 60, is the old man. Crowley's 40, so. Crowley also had a fun little triangle action going on with Fisher's friend, Hollis. He referred to them as the cat and the snake. The cat and the snake triangle? Yeah, (laughs) but it's based off of like their Egyptian representations on the pantheon of gods or whatever. Oh, I thought you were about to tell a fable. He held rituals with both women and uh, lied his ass off. And in one of his writings, he says, The, the word of a magus is always a falsehood, for it is a creative word. There would be no object in uttering it if it merely stated an existing fact in nature. The task of a magus is to make his word, the expression of his will, come true. It is the most formidable labor that the mind can conceive. So basically... He he ba- he has these rituals where he has just freaky good sex with these two women, sometimes at the same time, most of the time not, but he definitely does it. And he's lying his ass off about how the rituals work because he's kind of making up as he goes along just to get the freaky, the freaky bone time. Ultimately, he is developing his own set of ritual magic and writing it down. But until he thinks of it and thinks of what the ritual should be, it doesn't exist. So he tells them that he has this ritual that does this, but really it's just built on his own imagination as far as I can tell. He says he claims he gets it from like these hand-me-downs from the uh, messenger of Horus and things like that. Like that's basically (laughs) what... Okay, so I think I feel like I need to break down the book of the law to everyone just a little bit. So, like, the first chapter is told from the perspective of, like, Horace the father. The second chapter, which is kind of like, I am here for you. Do as that will is the whole of the law. You are a ma- magician, blah, 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 blah. Second chapter is told from, like, the woman deliverer from Horace or whatever. And hers is all about love. Love is the will and, you know, things like that. And then the third one is I am this big, strong enemy god that will take care of you when you will fight for my freedom and power and things like that which is considered to be like oh here's a bunch of motherfucking rituals that you're gonna do and this is where your power is gonna come from and shit like that so when he's like saying that he has all these rituals is it's that he has these rituals that were told to him by the third messenger for the third chapter of the book of the law that were whispered to him in a voice that was, you know like yeah give it give it give it to him in the butt and stuff like that so call just, this one the tantric crowley yeah so i mean it's stuff like that so it's not really real until he makes it real with his will by saying this is something that will happen if we do this but that's just basically fake it till you make it in a wizard talk fake it till you make it yeah i mean
1: isn't it at all that huh isn't all magic yes that basically the
0: crowley <laughs> sutra Foster eventually realizes that Crowley is a bit of a bummer and, uh, dumps him while they were on, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit of a bummer. He's a bit of a bummer. And she dumps him while they are, uh, traveling. Like her and her husband were going on a tour to the West and Crowley was kind of going with him. So he, they make a stop over <laughs> in Canada somewhere where he has, uh, Uh, One of the OTO member housing was there, so they go stay there, and she breaks up with him. But uh, He's like, why do we have three train tickets, dear? Yeah, so she she heads back to New York, and when he finally does come back there, she's like, no, I want nothing to do with you, you're a fucking charlatan. Maybe he lost his boner, too. But then uh, Crowley actually meets the wife of an art critic, who's also an occultist, but he has ritual sex magic with both of them, her and her husband, but he really likes her, and so he dubs her the monkey. And uh, (laughs) that's what I name everything I like in life. Is the monkey? The monkey. Yeah, so he, but that's just basically her position on the Pantheon of Gods as well. Like she's supposed to be kind of like his, one of his Scarlet Women that he's really on about, which is the Scarlet Woman is basically the woman that's going to bear his child. That's going to be the next Age of Horus God head thing, I guess. Trying to get to you and that monkey. During this time, he also has some ritual magic sex with a German prostitute who he dubbed the Owl. Basically, because I guess she kind of looked like an owl, but was really sturdy. (laughs) So when you say he has ritual sex magic, he's just having sex with him in his own weird way, right? He's having, he's claiming to be doing a ritual to get something he wants to have something happen. You know, anything that he wants to will into the world, he uses sex with a ritual to cast his will out into the world to get it back. It's like the first casting couch. He's just like, well, no, we're going to do this for this purpose, but it has to, it includes sex. Like it, it has to include sex. Bummer, right? I know, but we're going to get the the ritual done and the sex just sucks that we have to do that in between. Well, no, he, cause he, he believes. <laughs> I don't think you
1: to... understand what a casting couch is. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't think the sex is a bummer part.
0: I don't think <laughs> they, that's the whole they point. They don't know about the sex when they walk into the casting. <laughs> okay. Room. okay. So if they're like, I've never seen a room like this before. Alice Richardson, who Crowley called the monkey, got pregnant. And before the child could be born, her husband sent her on a boat trip to England, on which she miscarried and almost died. Crowley is actually kind of depressed about that, but he kind of lucks into a cottage on Lake Pasquani in New Hampshire from having contact with another writer who actually will go on to be the editor of his books and a few other things to help him get published and get a little bit of money at this time. Who was the uh, child's father? got her pregnant it was crowley Uh, Crowley got her pregnant and when her husband found out he sent her on a low long boat voyage with the intention of ah her miscarrying He was like this is gonna make you seasick and give you scurvy well he already she already had a bad past with traveling by boat she gets extremely sick she can't eat anything she became last time she was there she became super weak so he knew yeah so he knew and crowley basically blames him that is cold yeah it's pretty cold at least he got a boathouse out of it Well, that's actually a different story. He was depressed, but he contacts one of his uh, American members or one of the connections to the OTO that he has in America, and she offers him a place to stay on her little lake house. Okay, so on July 17th, Crowley performs a ritual being recorded as Liber LXXX. Okay, no. (laughs) You got too excited there for the X's. And uh, actually, it's here. When he starts enhancing his magic and his rituals with the use of ethyl oxide, which is basically an anesthetic drug that makes you have like weird trips and shit like that. So he's there huffing the shit and having awesome times. And uh, (laughs) it's here that one of his famous, one of the most famous Crowley stories comes from. This is from his writing and the account of the woman who owned the lake house. So, uh, on July 17th, Crowley performs the ritual being, being recorded as Liber LXX, in which Crowley catches a frog and has it, lives the life of Jesus of Nazareth, including crucifixation and the resurrection of the said frog.
1: Is that a Roman numeral?
0: I don't know. Probably. Okay. I, I, just I just I honestly don't know. It's probably Liber 70 or whatever LXX is. L is 50, I think. X is 10. So, I don't know. Could be. So it's probably his 70th Lieber. Yeah, it might be. So so he crucified the frog. Well, I'll read you what he says, basically. Um, Night being fallen, thou shalt arrest the frog and accuse him of blasphemy. And so forth in these words, do what thou will is the whole of the law. Lo, Jesus of Nazareth, how thou art taken in my snare. All my life long thou hast plagued me and affronted me in thy name. With all other free souls in Christendom, I have been tortured in my boyhood. All delights have been forbidden unto me, and that which is owed to me they pay not in thy name. Now at last I have thee, the slave god is in the power of the lord of freedom. Give thou place to me, O Jesus, thine aeon is past. The age of Horus is arisen by the master of the great beast that is man, and his number is 603 score and six. Love is the law, love under will. I, to Megatherion, therefore condemn thee, Jesus the slave god, god to be mocked and spat upon and scourged and then crucified so it took jesus like i think like 12 hours to die but i really want to know how long it took this frog to croak well after the sentence was then after all that was executed uh he had to eat the legs of the frog to confirm the magic and link him to the frog so i don't know how long it takes to cook frog legs but it Probably, you know, was that plus about 15, 20 minutes of him play acting with this frog.
1: (laughs) So this is basically, fuck God, fuck Jesus.
0: Yeah, this is kind of one of those things. Kind of seems like uh, he's playing God. He's like, I send my only begotten frog we watched a documentary not too long ago uh do you remember zeitgeist where they were explaining the aeons and how you know this one is born under this star and it goes until the age of aquarius well i guess the age of aquarius for crowley who has been following this philosophy and basically understanding what that zeitgeist movie is about since before that movie was made and he's just capitalizing on by saying oh so there is another aeon and this is going to be the aeon of horus and it's going to be under my command because i can talk to horus so i know what he wants and this is." Is going to be his age and so crowley basically like puts himself into the position of grand marshal of the parade i guess the word of grand marshal of the parade crowley so there we go isn't
1: but, the aeon of Horus over
0: now comes no? the aeon of crowley this wasn't
1: like the first one
0: I, there's probably, There are probably more because it's like the 12 cycles is every like 2,500 years or some shit like that. So um, it's probably not the first one. I just can't say that, you know, 100% that's correct. But Good this content. would be his new Aeon where Horace will be in charge, I guess. So he's just
1: going out of order more than likely?
0: Yeah, something like that. Probably moves along and uh, he actually ends up in New Orleans for a time writing and spending time perfecting his sex magic rituals. No, he has a couple different lovers at one point in time. His publicist or his uh, publication master or whatever the guy person that publishes books for him and basically became his secretary was making love to him developing her sexual magic with him but he then moves on goes to Florida where he finds out the OTO the Ordo Templar Orientis which is one of he is one of the founding members of which is part of his cult and his teachings and things like that uh their office in London gets raided because of his tie to the German propaganda writings and basically gets shut down so the London office of the OTO basically no one wants to associate with at this point they didn't have a huge membership anyway so they just sort of poof, shut the doors it's literally never been good to be associated with the germans no it's really not it kind of sucks
1: treason always terrible well,
0: treason's not good especially yeah. when you never mind
1: treason and murder are the only two things will put you to death for
0: Ooh, they'll put you to death for treason huh mm-hmm. oh yeah joan of arc style Crowley returns to New York where he gets the news about his mother's death. She apparently died even though she they weren't very close or anything. She left him $300 annually, paid out every week. And that uh, kind of allowed Crowley a bit of financial buffer between himself and absolute disgusting dumpster of poverty. His dollar fifty-three cents a week. Something whatever it is, yeah.
1: <laughs> what a dick move to leave your kid a dollar yeah, a day.
0: I mean, that was enough for three Sammies back then. That's all you need. So I but
1: mean, when you're trying to be in a fucking a cold God, I think you need more money to fund what you're doing. I actually I think he well, he's,
0: he's still getting a little bit of money from writing and stuff. So he's not completely broke. But that dollar 50 definitely saved him from being a hungry street man. Well, plus you save the 50 like you spend the dollar every week. You save the 50. And after a few weeks, you've got a little money to throw around to bring in the ladies or men, however you prefer. Well, he actually never had real problems with bringing in the women.
1: But they were prostitutes was he paying for them?
0: For the most part some of them were prostitutes, not all of them, but yeah, he paid for most of his prostitutes. Maybe answer. he just had a beautiful dick and he showed it to them and they were like, "All right."
1: That he, does not exist.
0: Yeah, he, he, he had a, a wizard's beautiful dick. penis?
1: Yeah, it was a wizard's penis. What anyway, if it was a
0: glowing wand? While in America, Crowley does backward meditation and gets to see through his past lives as a magician, which further basically in his own head builds its own mythos and his delusions as one of the greatest wizards of all times, because he goes through and he sees himself as a heavily persecuted by the Christian's wizard, a wizard that was so powerful that he hung himself when he was 26, and a bunch of other shit that he loves to write and talk about. I hung myself when I was four. Yeah, so that means you're a way better wizard than him. Hell yeah, I survived that shit thanks to my dad pulling me out of the tree. Okay, so it's also at this time that Crowley meets uh, his next love, Leah That's If you're keeping track, this is the third woman that he believes to be his Scarlet Woman. Is she German? You know, she's a New Yorker, so she could be from anywhere. But yes, I'm assuming she's German. I think he just understood it wrong. It's yeah, Scarlet no, Woman. So he actually was introduced by that George Verrückdichter guy. Yes. That uh, Okay. Yeah. It, it was actually introduced to her sister. Her sister brought Leah along with her when they went to go visit the house. And they ended up having uh, kind of like a... Like, really freaky sexual encounter, and which is you know normal for him. (laughs) How does
1: he do this? I don't know,
0: but she was young, and he describes her as young, flat chested, and you know, kind of fun to be around. He, uh, (laughs)
1: this is wild, yeah. So, (laughs) this is
0: wild. So, he's like 41 at this point, or 40 or something like that. How old
1: was she if she's uh, young and flat chested?
0: 25, okay. So, she's not like, but she's just kind of you know, flat chested. So I think we got it. They have like a sexual encounter the first night and then they go a couple months without seeing her. And then uh, finally he runs into her again. At, uh, she's a school teacher and he runs into her outside of the public school and asks her if she wants to go out. He meets her son who she has and calls him uh, Dionysus or Hepha- Hepatitis or some shit like that. I can't remember. Hepatitis? Hepatitis? <laughs> she's like, this is my son. He's a disease. He's yeah, really the he's worst thing. He's named after
1: that... what you gave me. <laughs>
0: yeah. She actually becomes like fairly infatuated with crowley and uh after a while she becomes pregnant with crowley's child and he of course he does his normal thing and ups and heads to another country how does he have all these women who are just head over heels for him he's a hideous fucking chud i don't i honestly if you it's he's a sex magician i don't fucking know <laughs> i'm telling you it's the wizard cock it's got to be. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where he t- can take married women and convert them to his line of ritual sex magic. He can take dudes and make them believe that they're having sex with a woman while he's just tucking his dick back going, yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I don't know what it is about him. He has this weird, uh, uh, like... I know Like, what it attraction is. to he's him. Confident. Or, yeah, he's confident. Yeah, I guess it is confidence. Just his confidence will get you anywhere. I think he... Ad- attracts uh just super kinky people without realizing it and they're like yeah i would literally love for you to choke me till i pass out this is like the early 1900s so there's not a whole lot of like deviancy in sex because of christianity so all of these people who aren't necessarily like christian christian kind of lead to this oh well you know i'm gonna Check Wait. this out and dip, dip my toe in the water and see what that's about. And Crowley just happens to be the the ocean, so like he is around all these people who are who like that or who draft towards something like that. And he just kind of sucks them all up. And these people are kind of attracted to him for their own weird sexual things because they think that they have found a like-minded individual. I guess you could say. But I thought everybody who started this country was a Christian. Well, they're English, so <laughs> that's just what I was told growing up. Now at this time that Crowley goes back to England, he's there for a little bit. He's, he's done with his exile. Yeah, he's done with his exile. He's kind of waiting around to see what happens with the OTO and what happens with England. Maybe charging him for treasonous activities and his new Scarlet Woman. Well, his new Scarlet Woman, who's like eight months pregnant at this time, like is on her way to a meet boat him. Boat trip in Paris. <laughs> yeah, she's on a boat trip in Paris. <laughs> Leah Hersig and her new friend, Ninette Shumway, that she met on the trip to Paris, kind of lived with Crowley quietly in the Fontainebleau neighborhood of France, which I guess is kind of a cool little place. I like your accent. They, uh, yeah, thank you. It was just kind of a cool little place, a nice little French suburb. So they had pretty good times. Uh, his daughter was born on February 20th. And soon after, Lei and his daughter were sent back to England for medical care.
1: Was he disappointed that he had a daughter?
0: He was. He really wants a son, because the son is going to be the next big thing in magic. He's going to have all the power of Horus and the Scarlet Woman. Crowley and Shumway looked for a house that would suit the purpose for the study of Thelema, or, I can't, I don't really know. Is it Thelema or Thelema?
1: I've always heard it pronounced Thelema.
0: Thelema, okay. It's like Dilemma, but Yeah, so it's the lemma and sex magic. They ended up in a town called Sefaku and settled into a home in the Via Santa Barbara. Oh, no, they settled into a home called the Via Santa Barbara. The space was perfect for the families, and after a year or so, Crowley started taking more room for his rituals. And the bedroom that he and Hersig shared was nicknamed the Room of Nightmares. Literally the opposite of what most people would want to associate with their bedroom. What's crazy is that there are pictures available of the room that showed some of Alistair's drawings and, like, his sexual perversions with, like, poop and violence, and, uh, they were all painted on the walls. One of the main tableaus was of Hersig with red lips with a saying, stab your demonic smile into my brain, soak me in cognac, cunt, and cocaine. In order to draw students to the Abbey, he created a pamphlet showing the drawings and saying their purpose is, is to pass students of the sacred wisdom through the ordeal of contemplating ev- every possible phantom which can assail the soul. Candidates for this initiation are prepared by a certain secret process before spending the night in this room. The effect is that the figures on the wall seem to actually become alive to what bewilder and obsess the spirit that has dared to confront their malignity. malignity? Malignity? Malignity?
1: Yeah, that stuff.
0: Is it possible they were imbibing in something a bit more than, a, something a bit more hallucinogenic than uh, cognac, constant cocaine? I mean, there was a lot of like opium, heroin, cocaine. You no, know, like acid or anything though? It sounds like they're like... No, acid wasn't quite around yet. They were missing out. That would have really brought them to the next level. Probably. So, but he did like ethyl oxide. So they were all living in, like, so it was Hersig, and Crowley and they had a bedroom and then Uh, Crowley or Chumlee also lived there. Shumway, yeah. Shumway. Shumway and her kids, yeah, they lived there too. All in the same house? All in the same house. So there were like a handful of kids running around and two women. And then they also had a bunch of people coming, dropping by and visiting. I mean, this place is a fairly happening place throughout this time. Like they had visitors that were kind of famous. They had visitors that were just, you know, passing by then... I mean, that ultimate was kind of the downfall, but we'll we'll get to that. So the idea of the Abbey was to break people of their ego and show them the version of their divine self through ritual magics. And uh, during this time, he felt that he had taken the power from Herzig's godhead by the use of heroin and cocaine and sexual gratification. And that he himself had become kind of puritanical in his rituals, where it was mostly he gave over... His rituals to another unseen power, and that allowed himself to be sexually debased in his feminine form, uh, Alice, um, becoming Hersig's lesbian lover. After one ritual, he writes of his sadomasochistic relationship with Hersig. She discovered the physical thout, cowardice, and dread of pain which I had sunk into. So deep by means of daring death mountains, wild beasts, poison, and disease, she held a lighted cigarette against my breast. I shrank and moaned. She spat her scorn and puffed at it, and put it back. I shrank and moaned. She made me fold my arms, sucked at the paper till the tobacco crackled, and with the fierceness of its burning, she put it back for a third time. I braced myself. I tightened my lip and thrust my breast against it. Yeah, he's definitely a fourth-rate poet. So, I mean, here's the the other crazy thing is that in order for him to teach and kind of keep control of some of his followers, he does little things where if they say me, I, or have some sort of possessive statement and stuff he cuts his arm in front of him and he just has little cuts all over him because those words hurt and they hurt him in that way so he shows them how they hurt but it's really absolutely insane how he does that
1: do we know how these kids turned out how we're living in this house
0: i do not we can guess. probably not very good now during this time both hersig and shumway are pregnant hersig's first child with crowley is not doing well and having been kind of sickly when she was born, and continues the sickness. Like, she's just continually sick, never gets really better. I mean, she doesn't ultimately have the best diet and best lifestyle it's really fucking dirty in this place and he crowley kind of wants to just sort of live in filth to see how demasculinating it is and how gross it is because he kind of just wants to wallow in it but he's a squalor um, beast yeah so their kid dies their daughter dies and uh that causes hersig to miscarry in her own grief but she, she actually blames shumway for using ritual black magic to uh kill both of her children so She's kind of gone off the deep end, and uh, Crowley's kind of feeding into it a little bit in his own sort of grief-stricken way. And this is like the biggest problem with believing so much in something that's just based in bullshit, is how are you going to blame someone else when you're doing drugs, smoking cigarettes, and the whole time you're pregnant, and then you lose the kid and you want to say, oh, well, it's because she cursed me with the sex magic spell. I mean, because she's kind of in the depths of belief here and also just absolutely insanely sad. So she kind of is looking for something to lash out on and the person that's living with them is the easiest because she's like oh well we're all witches here and I know she doesn't like me all that much or she wants Alistair to herself so she probably did this but
1: you have to keep in mind too how much of a manipulator he was and probably a good portion of that was him behind Shumway's back oh yeah talking to her saying maybe she did this to you maybe you need to do this ritual with me to get back at her because she's the one that caused the death of your children
0: well actually she uh, orders Alistair to read Shumway's diary log of her invocations where crowley has them write down everything that they hope and all that shit and what they what they're doing how they do it how long it takes when it's supposed to be done kind of like keeping their own grimoires of stuff that they notice that works and things like that but after doing this uh, crowley discovers something that kind of left him i would say flabbergasted he says i was utterly appalled at the horrors of the human heart i never dreamed such things were possible i am physically sick it is the greatest shock of my life i had this mess in my own circle it poisoned my work. It murdered my children. So something Shumway did, he believes, was the cause of all of this misfortune in his life. But with that, he banishes Shumway from the Abbey. She was pregnant, so after the birth of his child with her, uh, she was brought back. And Crowley built a special house for her and the children. And they also didn't turn away any new followers at this time. Um, he fully intended the Abbey to be a beacon for the followers of Philemma to like come and learn, to see his practices but such things came with the financial burden of taking care of any of the followers that showed up and this actually led to some varied success some of the people that did visit the abbey of Thalema in italy did go back to their home countries like the united states or london and actually espoused crowley with like oh well yeah he was really good we did this we did this and they became followers you know they flow in and out and it's kind of hard to pay for so many people and also keep having sex with sicilian male prostitutes at the same time he heard sicily was like arby's yeah they got the meats exactly followers flowed in and out of the abbey some staying for years others only lasting months alistair basically attempted to have sex with all of them but ultimately he did get them but some of them (laughs) were less receiving of it one of the uh men that did stay there for a time in one of his diary entries i think he said something like uh he liked having sex with him too much even though well and part of the reason was because the guy was basically disgusted by crowley but was still doing it and that made crowley get off even more so sometimes he forced that situation in his rituals without necessity huh okay but he really did have sex with a lot of females, males. They were all sort of subject to whatever sex ritual was passed down through him. And uh, they did that. So is it like a check-in, like when you got there and it was like, here, sign in for your room and your room key here, and then you can uh, get your sex date with Alistair signed up for Well, right I, d- I don't think it all starts out with just like, oh, straight, we're going to hit you with sex. It's like, okay, you're here, so this is a couple things we're going to do. We're going to... Do some breathing exercises we're going to show you how to do this thing we're going to go over here and do this thing and tonight we're going to watch my girlfriend have sex with a barnyard animal And that sort of that escalated so quickly. Yeah, it kind of does. I thought it was gonna be slower, like they're doing yoga, and Alistair creeps up behind them or something. Like
1: I figured it started with them having to watch him have sex with someone else, and then he forces himself on.
0: It's that's usually kind of how it is. Like they they watch and then they start to participate. It's It's like, "Could I get someone from the audience? Could I get a? Could I get a?" Basically, it's at this time that uh, Alistair kind of goes and leaves the abbey for a little time in the winter of 1922, and he heads to Paris, where he meets Mary Butts and Cecil Maitland, they're writers from Britain, and they decide to come stay at the Abbey, and joined in the learning of ritual magic under the tutelage of Crowley. So they were writers right were they there for like research on a pr- writing project or they were just trying to get their weird freak well, on everyone that kind of does this basically recognizes Crowley as an occultist visionary or whatever because all these people are kind of dove into occultism and or, or Enochian magic or other forms of magic that they already have around and then now they're just going to kind of see what uh, mr crowley has to say about the subject and things like that so they were already kind of versed in the whole thing a little and bit they yeah. wanted to see what else was going on in this weird corner of the world yeah so it was during the time that one of the most foul stories that came from the abbey happens um Hersick, in her position as the scarlet woman was to have sex with a goat and upon the climax of the goat she was the it was supposed to have its throat slit and bled all over it um well, at this time, the goat actually was brought in. Um, it was kind of uncooperative, and Crowley ended up having sex with Hersig. But upon his completion, the goat's throat was slit, and it just spread blood everywhere. And, uh, yeah, that happened. And so I guess when, uh, <laughs> when Hersig was done, she stood up and she asked Mary, like, oh, what do I do now? And she said, Mary, I'd probably take a shower. Uh... And that poor goat, he thought he was He was like, all right, I'm out of this one. He's standing there watching. He's like, I'm not getting fucked. And the next thing you know, he's still getting fucked.
1: Was this a sacrifice? Was yes, a goat? the
0: goat was a sacrifice and represented uh, uh, some sort of something for dem- demonology. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the goat represents something with its horns and its eyes. And so they just killed it as soon as... Alistair Crowley was finished. It just seems like it throws the, like the whole ritual off. How's it even a ritual anymore? If well, the ghost's not doing it, so we're just well gonna because have it's, to it's your them. it's your will. It doesn't have to be done that way. It's the will of the way it works. So if that doesn't work, you just kind of play a little jazz and free ball it a little bit. But if the will is there, it'll still work. These, Sounds like it was the will of the, the ritual. The ritual isn't necessarily where all the magic comes from. It just aids the magician in being able to open himself to his own will. I so
1: think the point of that was the bloodletting, right? Not yeah. exactly the the climax.
0: No, it wasn't the climax, but it, So he made it weird by making her try to fuck the goat in the first place. He made all of these up. There's no reason for this. Like he he literally makes these up. There's not anything that says, "Oh, this is how you do this. This is him receiving information of shit he's just making up because some Horus dude is whispering in his ear saying, "This is how you do magic." He fuck makes that goat. it up. Yeah, so fuck it. Anyway, uh at this point both uh Maitland and butts leave the abbey and saying they have mostly developed poor health and uh, really bad drug habits and uh Crowley actually likes to develop an addiction um it it's makes him feel dirty but he also likes to have people addicted around him too so
1: this is literally a trap house
0: yeah basically so I mean he's doing a whole bunch of coke and heroin losing his mind he's dealing with depression he's dealing with all these followers coming and going all sorts of shit so uh in, at one point at the abbey he invites uh a young couple to stay with them I, their names are everywhere these are the people that actually turn him into the newspaper but uh i think one of them's name is mary and cecil and they go there they see how dirty it is they they think it's disgusting uh, they get, they go on a, a hiking trip. And one of the biographers that's there at the Abbey Thulema says, yeah, we told them not to drink any of the water from around town. And what do you know? They were really thirsty. So they drank some of that water. So one of them got sick. Uh, Mary, the wife says Cecil got sick, actually drinking blood in, uh, raw chicken blood in a sacrifice during a ritual. Um, so they're all having weird sex magic, but Mary kind of hates Crowley and basically says he's like an authoritarian, won't let them do certain things, won't let them talk in certain ways. This is where they discover that he cuts himself every time they say, I, me, and stuff like that. Because he's manipulating them. Yeah, he's manipulating them. And uh, poor Cecil, actually, uh, he dies. Um, He gets sick enough that he's so weak he can't recover. And uh, actually, Mary is sick as well, but Crowley has them write a letter saying that all is well and all is fine. And before he sends it, Mary actually like uh, sticks uh, sticks a piece of paper saying we are not fine we are Actually, very sick, but we can't get the help we need. The doctor who is here is also sick, and he can't get what he needs. So the mother then like calls the police and gives all the information to the papers, and they call Crowley the uh, wickedest man in the world. And they basically start telling the stories of all the ritual sex magic. Mary goes home and starts talking shit, saying that he killed her husband, blah 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 blah, took advantage of her, did all this terrible shit, and the Italian police basically come in and arrest him. And he goes before them and is... Basically fairly encouraged to leave the Abbey at this point, where he is not wanted in there. He they don't want anything to do with him. What's kind of strange though is that uh at this time, Crowley is also writing politics, something he knows nothing about in Italy. So he's writing against this fascist regime and shit. And that's also one of the reasons they wanted him out because he was causing trouble. So this was just also an excuse to get him gone from Mussolini. So at this point, the Abbey's done. Like, uh, he's done with it. He moves on, leaves Shumway there to take care of it with a follower by the name of Norman Mudd who had showed up the day before and knew nothing about what was happening, about how someone had died that he didn't publish in the papers and stuff like that. He's like, my name is Mudd. Yeah. So he, he stuck there with, uh, Shumway taking care of this until some other person comes along and kicks him out while Crowley leaves and heads to Paris first.
1: Was there anything to actually take care of?
0: Yeah. Like Yeah, like there's a, it's it's a fairly large property. It's supposedly, it was actually kind of beautiful. And uh, there was a lot it's to take the, care of, like the outside. It's and just cleaning. the inside yeah. that
1: you don't have to take care of.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the people said that uh, for a, at least two years, Crowley was trying to live in filth to see what it was like. So when she was visiting, she almost left the first day because it was so disgusting.
1: Yeah, that's what I figured.
0: After this is basically the downfall of Crowley. Um, I'm going to kind of speed through it a little bit because it's getting on a little long and there's still so much left. But at this point, Crowley moves on to exile with his wife. They head to Paris and Crowley leaves her there kind of in her own sort of crazy sadness. Which wife? Hersig. This is Hersig still. Yeah. So he's kind of in a, a drug addiction state. So he starts writing his biography in stages. Thanks. Like the first <laughs> stage is like book one through three, and then book one through three so heroin. <laughs> yeah, and it goes on and so forth. And this is when he starts writing it. it basically, is in his exile. He's doing a ton of writer writing, but so. He leaves Paris, he leaves Hersig there. she's kind of working as a like scullion woman like r- like cleaning dishes and trying to survive. Meanwhile, Alistair's out in, I think he's in Tunisia at this point having sex with whoever. he gets another girl pregnant and then has Hersig come down to take care of this woman who he got pregnant. In Tunisia, and he's just kind of writing a whole bunch at this point. That it's at this time that he gets back in contact, like in the late '30s, with his old writing buddy George George rick or whatever his name was. <laughs> You're gonna say George Clooners, and he tries to get uh, him to take the book of the law and give it to. Uh, Hitler see what he thinks of it, see if he can believe in it cuz he's still trying to court that Nazi favor. He does some writing for them, more propaganda. I don't know. It's 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 fairly boring at this point. Like he's just basically screwing everybody over. He's writing a whole bunch. He's having sex with everybody. He's riding the lightning. Yeah, he's basically riding the lightning, but you know, he he gets turned down by British British officers to try and be intelligence once again and the man basically dies poor penniless of bronchitis and his final journal entry and uh, after he'd become a destitute drug addict hopefully publishing more books after his death his last diary entry reads weak erection finally he stopped putting his strong erection in people <laughs> like <laughs> I mean he, it was just like if, if you built your whole life on touting the sex magic uh, not being able to get an erection is probably got to be like the saddest thing for you I mean that basically means your life's over you're no longer are capable of doing the thing that you believe gives you power and I mean he does actually kind of flip-flop a little bit in his later life saying that some of this shit is bullshit but all, he also turns back around and says that he actually does believe that the book of the law was dictated to him by a three Different demons on three different days at the exact same time, and he just seems like the op, like Joseph Smith opposite. Like he's like instead of God giving it to him, it's demons. But it's you know this is what you do, and this is how you bone. Yeah, basically. But uh, I, I I wanted to have a little discussion about like actual Satanism. I don't think Crowley was technically a Satanist by any means, but his his ritual opened up to opposing that part of the world like it it was meant to oppose christianity so at one point in the third book or the third chapter of the book of the law this warrior god basically is saying that he'll peck out the eyes of the of christ he'll flap his wings in the face of muhammad he will you know do all these things to all these people or he'll pull off the skin of the buddha and i like these things are like taking in my opinion i don't know if this is true but these things are kind of taking not necessarily like the satanic viewpoint or the negative viewpoint but he's saying he'll he'll pluck out the eyes of christianity of christ on the cross because his teachings are still okay but we need to take away the eyes of the christians he'll flap in the face of the muslims because uh muhammad no one can draw his face no one can see it uh he'll remove the skin of the buddha because what's wrapped inside the teachings are still good so in my opinion it's basically him saying we have to take all this shit from other religions that is good and we can support and kind of slam it together and that's what becomes the whole of the law you know like it's it's not do as you will like oh go down and act bart simpson style do as you will where oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that it's more of like look past these teachers as anything more than teachers and do what makes you feel good
1: it's basically just don't let anyone oppress you yeah so do what you want not because the bible tells you to or because a god tells you to but because you want to which is the whole point of Levayan Satanism. Traditional Satanism, Satanism is a little different, where you actually believe in Satan himself. But
0: yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different styles of like believing in Satanism. It's like,
1: all very similar. Anything yeah. that doesn't involve God is basically a big mishmash of don't listen to the Bible, don't let someone tell you what to do because they wrote it down a thousand years there's, ago. There's
0: also like a in, in certainly certain people in the Bible believe that Satan's actually a teacher that God is kind of a bully and an asshole, whereas Satan wants to give you knowledge. God is a bully. He, <laughs> wants to, he wants to give you knowledge. He wants to give you the ability to be a king in your own world and things like that, whereas God's kind of just there to tell you what to do, where Satan wants to open you up so you can learn and see new things. But um, personally, I, I kind of feel like Crowley was just a dirty, dirty sex man. I mean, we didn't read the part where his girlfriend likes to poop on or he had his girlfriend shit on his mouth and then he made out with her and shit like that. But basically... If you read uh, the That's book, a spoiler alert, well, if you read the book, uh, <laughs> do, do what thou wilt. That is actually the, the quintessential book on Alistair Crowley because it has basically his whole life in it almost day by day. And it's just so thick and so hard to cover. I I, I didn't do it justice by any means because where we're at right here, there's probably still another 300, 400 pages, but let's just say he dies. He's a sad man. He's a freaky sex dude. And uh, he died having weak erections. I feel like he, um, yeah, like you said, he, w- he was he was just a, a, a squalor person who uh, made his, like he, he figured out how to manipulate people into doing what he wanted. And uh, he came up with this whole set of bullshit that he knew who people would buy into and follow him. And through that, he could just pretty much live how he wanted and nobody was going to really bother him. Either way.
1: I think the whole point of this is people being allowed to do what they want and have nobody stopping them. They just want to see how far they can push things before someone says you that's really way stop. too much. Yeah. He basically, I mean, he wanted to, but he lived a life with no limits and no one stepped in and said, don't do heroin, don't have people shit in your mouth, Um, don't kill animals. He and was... it's similar with Anton LaVey because basically he was, spoiler alert, it's all a joke against Christianity, but... He was basically wanted to see how far he could push it too and yeah. how mad he could make a Christian church and yeah. people grab onto that kind of thing.
0: Well, I think where Levay did it as a joke like Crowley actually did it. Like he actually pushed himself like further than anything by giving up any uh sexual identification really. He he took on both positions. He he knew what was expected of him and he he basically lived it whereas Levay kind of he, he was a, he was a circus man he was a, he was a carnival barker he he knew how to draw people in and what to say and how to say it so he did it and then t- kind of turned it around to you know mishmash and flash in the face of christianity and shit like that whereas LeVay did it just to free himself of his own ego and belief that everyone needed to do that in order to be able to con- get in contact with these higher spirits so i think the difference there is that crowley is kind of a true believer and LeVay is kind of like uh like a circus dude, circus dude. And it seems like it's kind of weird cuz he, you know, he had the like Christian upbringing or whatever and like s- somewhat strict parents, but it seems like just along the way he was almost like looking for someone to be like, "Hey, that's enough. Stop there. Like that's where you should end this. Enough of that bullshit." No one ever no one even ever told him to take a shower. <laughs> so he just kept going and going and going. And I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's kind of sad. His life is not like a happy fun good time for the most part. A lot of death a lot of lost children, a lot of basically him giving up as a father or as being a decent human being. But that's all I've got for it.
1: I think most people that are (laughs) raised in an environment that's very heavily Christian, especially in his case, kind of delve into this stuff later in life to get away from the control and the oppression that their parents and the Bible brings on them. It's don't have sex, don't do this, don't do that. And they say, well, this person or this religion says I can do this and that and have sex, so I'm going to. And then they... Take it too far.
0: Yeah. I think he would be extremely happy that Ozzy Osbourne wrote a song about him. I mean, yeah, he, he kind of loves the attention. Yeah, exactly. He really liked the attention. You know, his name is just like associated with evil more or less these days. Like people are like, oh, yes, you know, he's the beast. And uh, so I think he would have enjoyed the notoriety. So even though he was sad when he died. But I mean, that's kind of what he was searching for the whole time. But... At
1: some point, I feel like he may have appreciated a back off, though, and not having so many people look up to him so he didn't have to continue all of this crazy, I mean, weird he, stuff he, he, and taking it to a next level that he, he may have not wanted to go to.
0: didn't have a whole shit ton of followers, so I don't think that was it. I think he kind of constantly pushed the envelope for notoriety. I recommend just going in and looking a little bit more about him, but that's all I've got for him, so I think we're going to wrap it up this week, guys. Thanks for <laughs> listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R, Corners Crimecast at gmail.com
1: and you can find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash four corners crime cast on instagram at four corners crime cast and on twitter at four corners crime
0: and as always, give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and check out our website fourcornerscrimecast.com. That's F-O-U-R, cornerscrimecast.com. That's F-O-U-R-Cornerscrimecast.com. Head over there for a full episode list uh, to send us any ideas you might have for episodes, or to get your free sticker from our merch store by entering the code Bingo BANGO at checkout. Uh, yeah, just remember this week, uh, don't be a squalor person. Don't have people shit in your mouth. Just uh, don't don't do it. Alright, see you next week, guys.
1: See ya. Adios, motherfuckers.
0: I'm saying something that's obviously going to have to get cut out of the episode or just let me finish saying it.